Welcome to episode number four. I am your host, Scott Kaler, and I am joined by Christina Schultz again today for the podcast. And we are going to be talking about track preseason considerations because track season is about to start here in our area. And we just wanted to touch on some topics to help our athletes and our coaches to give them some things to think about this season. So, Christina, you have a coaching background, which is why we wanted you on the podcast (laughs) for this. Tell us from your uh, perspective as a PT and as a coach, what should preseason look like for these guys? Yeah, um, preseason should be really boring, right? Um, It's not going to look big and flashy. Um, It's going to be an accumulation of miles and time on your feet. Um, And it's also kind of mentally preparing for the season. So you should be getting into your routines for your warm-ups and your cool-downs, your typical procedures. So as the season rolls around, like, this is normal for you. Um, Again, it's not going to be anything flashy. We're going out and we're getting miles in. Uh, We should also be incorporating a really big base of strength training. I say really big, relatively big base of strength training. Uh, It should be one of your emphasis at this point as well. Yeah, tell us a little bit about why strength training is important in the off-season and the preseason. Mm-hmm. So generally speaking, like when, once we start adding in these really intense workouts, it becomes a lot harder to um, incorporate one from a time frame perspective and also from an energy level and um, just time for recovery uh, to have some intense strength sessions in season still important but it becomes a little bit more difficult to do and in an ideal world we're giving ourselves like 12 weeks to really see a true gain in your strength so if you're not starting your strength training until february march um which might be where you're at um and that's still better than nothing but that is it's just not ideal because those true strength gains won't be seen until later on so if we're going to get the most out of your strength training, we're going to want to start November, December, January. So what would you say to the coach or the athlete who hasn't been strength training prior to now? Yeah. Should they wait until the season's over or mm-hmm. is there a way that they can start incorporating it now? What do you think? Yeah, like I said, it's still very important. If you haven't started it, don't think I'm telling you to give up on it. That's not it. Um, it still has a place. But the biggest thing for you right now is going to be volume management um so like i said it becomes a little bit more difficult once we start adding in some more intense workouts to plan that around um but that's kind of got to be your emphasis is being strategic with when you do these strength programs making sure you're having enough rest putting them on days that are generally we're probably going to put them on days that are going to be more intense um so that your recovery days are truly recovery Um, And we're not going to jump into a ton of load. Um, I still want us doing something challenging. I still want us starting to increase load. Um, But I I don't want you going out there and trying to to max out right away. That's that's not our goal right now. Yeah. So we'll we'll talk about some of the the ways that we can incorporate strength training, um, which might be a good segue into another question I have for you. Mm -hmm. So what are some ways teams can incorporate strength training in the preseason and in season? So let's talk ideal world first. Yeah. Preseason, how often, what does that loading scheme look like? Yeah. 
preseason, we are in the weight room lifting some pretty challenging weights uh, two to three times a week. Um, should be, you know, a relatively hefty session, like for what a lot of runners might consider. Um, but this should be a little bit more intense in the in the training room. Now, realistically, um, I come from a, a high school coaching background and I know <laughs> just how limited resources and time is and so I know that that's not always available for a lot of our coaches and athletes and, and teams so just because you don't have access to those resources or that time doesn't mean that we can't do strength training as well and so what you what you really want to have is a set program that you have sat down, wrote out, so you know what to expect um, of exercises that are going to need minimal equipment and, um, you know, you can knock out after practice. Yeah, so I think that's a good point on on the win, right? We don't want to mm-hmm. go heavy in the weight room and then go get our running right, volume. Yeah. So yeah. usually we want our key lifts to either be the day following mm-hmm. uh, a key workout or it's going to be immediately following yep. that workout so that the run is first because we don't want to go out and run on, on exactly. fatigued legs. Yeah. And then I think you're making a, a great point there that preseason, like offseason building into preseason is all about making gains. And mm-hmm. that's where we're going to make the biggest changes in somebody's program. And and then once we get into the season, it's all about maintaining. So right. then it's let's we want to peak and then keep what we have so that we can race and perform well. So then gym sessions, the volume is going to come down significantly. Yep. Uh, but we still want our intensity to, intensity to be high. So we might sure. still be lifting eighty Pretty or ninety yeah. percent of mm-hmm. what a one rep max would be for just fewer numbers of reps and sets, yep. um, just to keep our neuromuscular system firing and 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 on high alert there so um, or in peak performance so one of the things that I recommend quite often for people so this goes back to my one question about the athlete or coach who hasn't incorporated strength training till now or maybe Mm -hmm. they're intimidated by the weight room or you know even in our area there's a big disparity between what one person's weight room looks like in in a school compared to another you walk into some schools here and they look like a division two college Mm -hmm. And some people, some schools here still have some outdated equipment yeah. that looks like from when I was in high school. And so the there is a disparity in, at different schools, but there are some programs that we're working on creating. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's some resources out there. Jay Johnson is a coach out of Boulder, Colorado area who has some fantastic resources. He's coached at the highest levels and competed at the highest levels of collegiate cross country and track. And he has his SAM programs, which just stand for strength and mobility. And that's a great way out on the track after practice to be able to start getting some body weight or yep. minimal equipment kind of workouts in. And you could do those more days out of the week because the intensity is going to be a little bit lower. Mm-hmm. But I think you would agree that some is better than none. Yep, exactly. <laughs> and in part of Jay's warm-ups, he, he does this lunge matrix program. So you're sprinkling some strength work into your, your warm-up as well. It's non-fatiguing. Yep. So there's some ways that you can do it. And and stay tuned because we're going to have some new resources that are coming out soon. And, and we'll post some stuff on our YouTube page as well. But I think if we had to distill down, what we're trying to say is that strength training is really important for yeah peak performances but you have to have a plan to do it 
and we would really prefer that it's a supervised setting and we're not just kind of willy-nilly going mm-hmm. about trying to back squat as heavy yeah. as we can in pre or adolescent um people who are not fully developed yeah. yet so we want to develop movement patterns and develop sure. strength and and you should really take these sessions just as seriously as you would take your interval workout and and in that way it's a it's a great practice for the season up ahead um when you when you're not quite getting all your your intervals in quite yet but um just approaching that workout with the same sincerity and focus um and drive yeah and you know if some runners i've even given them the suggestion if their workout called for 60 minutes of running in a day we go well because your knee has been a little cranky or maybe you were sick before that or whatever the case may be um, and you're not able to handle 60 minutes of running is let's make that a 40 minute run and then let's do 20 minutes of strength training because that can be it's not exactly running, but it can almost be like sneaking another mile or two of, of sure. loading in that way. So it, it can help somebody who is either newer to the sport or coming into track from another sport and they haven't really built up the preseason mileage like yep. you were talking about. So um, I, hopefully that came across that we, yeah. we value strength training <laughs> yeah, as, as part huge. of our zone running lab. So um Let's transition in talking about more on the running side yeah. of things. So mm-hmm. how and when do you start incorporating faster running in your preseason? In preseason? Um, so so most of my preseason is going to be a little bit longer, a little bit slower, um, easy running. Um, but as we start getting closer and closer to the start of the season, we're going to start sprinkling things in, right? I don't want it to be like we get to day one of the official season and boom, we're hitting intervals, right? As hard as we can. Um, As we get closer and closer, we're going to start incorporating more strides. Um, We're going to have some tempo, threshold, you know, various um, intervals of those thrown in there before we start getting, getting into anything intense. Um, So typically with, with the, with the, with the typical season, November, December, January, we are building miles. We're accumulating volume. Um, and then, you know, late December, January, we are integrating more tempo threshold work. And then towards the end, we're probably going to start throwing in some um, stuff at like two mile pace, you know, that, that kind of thing. And so it needs to be a slow transition. Yeah, I think we do some things very similarly. I personally do strides more frequently or mm-hmm. earlier yeah. just to keep that. I do like to keep keep your to keep strides in yeah, a couple times keep, a week. Keep it sharp. Yeah, um, and even kind of we'll throw in some longer, like all like race pace plus yeah. some time. I like in, throwing in, in, in a lot pre-season. of progression runs in there mm-hmm. as well, um, a couple days a week. So just because like. They're not all going to be the same pace every single day in the off season. You're still going to have a couple weeks that are going to be a little bit more um, intense and neuromuscularly stimulating. Um, but we're probably not going to go out there and, you know, run 800 pace as fast as we possibly can for repeats over and over and over again. Right. And I think, I mean, the key to what I'm hearing you say is we are building consistency mm-hmm. and we're trying to build resiliency with yep. our running and so the more 
kind of chronic workload that we can build yeah. up. It allows us when we do get into those higher intensity workouts to be more resilient for that and less mm-hmm. likely that something uh, like an injury will pop up yeah. because what training, all training is, is we're trying to get ourselves ready to perform at the highest level and we're trying to prepare for the worst case scenario. Mm-hmm. And so yep. the more we can make ourselves ready for that, the the more likely we are to have success. So that's that's what I'm hearing you say on, yep. on the purpose of the preseason. Um, it should have some intent behind it. And that way it's a smooth transition into the season and you can yeah. hit the, the workouts that the coach has prescribed for you so that you're setting yourself up for success. Yeah. I love it. So... Um, this we touched on it but let's dive a little bit deeper so when should practice start to look more event specific yeah so if we look at the season as a whole um from off season preseason really the start of the season into true competitive season towards the end um it should look like a general a general transition the whole time right and so even at the start of the like official season, I may not have my athletes doing um, their most intense work. That's not going to come till even later in the season. Um, so big picture, normally November through January is, is pretty general. And then as we start to get into like February and March, I'll have my athletes start doing a general trend, getting closer and closer to their work. So we're, we're probably talking closer, like 800, 3,200 meter athletes. And in this podcast with, mm-hmm. with the distances that we're talking about here. So for the most part, I'm going to have my 800 and 3,200 meter runners training together, doing some of the same stuff in the preseason. And then as we start to get to February, that's when we're going to start to split a little bit. And even then they're not going to be at their, um, their most race specific work yet. Yeah. So on that note, tell us about 800 meter runners in that preseason. You're putting them with the 3,200 meter runners. Yeah. Sometimes they're the same runner and we're going to talk about that in a minute. (laughs) Why does, why is aerobic work necessary for them? Yeah. So (laughs) the 800 meter, in my opinion, is the hardest race. (laughs) Amen. Yeah. (laughs) And that's coming from someone who I did not run the 800 meter. Like I was a 5k and 10k runner and I have immense respect for the 800. Um, You run as fast as you can and then you do it again. And it's, it's tough, right? So (laughs) it's tough. That's the understatement of the day. (laughs) Yes. Um, it's, it's a rough one. Um, so you need to be able to go as fast as you possibly can, and then you need to be able to do it again. So there, there is an aerobic aspect to the 800 meter and you cannot neglect that. If you neglect that, you're going to come through that first lap and then you're going to die. Like that's, that's going to be it for you. Um, so if you, I don't expect your 800 to negative split. I never, yeah, that's not a good strategy. But if you want to be able to keep up some of that intensity, that second lap, um, you're going to build that in this off season with your aerobic mileage. Um, and then I think what Scott was kind of alluding to with that 800 and 3,200 meter runner sometimes being the same. Um, I talk to a lot of athletes who they're out there, they do four by eight. 
800, 16, 3,200 meter. Like they do everything. Um, one of the biggest benefits with aerobic training in this off season is going to be your ability to recover. And so you're not going to be able to one, keep up with that much volume in a meet, uh, without that aerobic base, but you're also not going to be able to recover fast enough to perform again. And like, depending on the meet and 10 minutes to a couple hours, you're just not going to be able to get there. And so that's why this, this time, um, is so important. Yeah, I love that. From a long run standpoint, what percentage of our weekly mileage should our long run come from? Yeah. Just a, a general rule of thumb um, is going to be about 20% of your weekly mileage you should be getting on your long run. Um, yeah, I, I think that's that's probably the safest across the board um, rule to follow. So uh, my 3,200-meter focused runner versus my 800 meter focus runner they might have different weekly mileages both should be building on that and challenging themselves with the volume that they're taking in at this point in the season um but i don't have any like specific numbers i'm like my 800 meter has to run this mileage on their long run no we're going to look at their whole week and we're going to say what's what's going to be an appropriate challenge this day yeah and I'm a huge fan of time-based runs Mm -hmm. versus mileage, especially when you're talking about your long run, Um, just because two athletes going out and running eight miles, one athlete might knock that out in an hour and 10 minutes, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and that might take another athlete an hour and 20 or hour and 30 or whatever the case may be, and those two runs aren't the same, and the effect on the body is not the same, so... I, I know when I'm programming for myself or for the athletes that I'm helping to rehab or even to train on the performance side, we're transitioning away from that mileage mm-hmm. talk and starting to do more on a time talk or from a time standpoint. And it starts to get a lot easier to manage your distance. And so on that same point, I think it's really important for coaches and athletes to be able to communicate well and uh, not have any ulterior motives or whatever mm-hmm. the case may be, or hold it against an athlete if someone's saying they're tired for a day, yeah. but really being able to <laughs> have open dialogue about, hey, coach, I'm not feeling great today because I had three AP exams and whatever else is going on in life. And so that would be an opportunity for the coach to back off some intensity that mm-hmm. day, plan on when to be able to increase it on another day. Um, and how to build it back in or whatever the case needs to be. But it should really be a fluid program. And your freshman runner is not going to be the same as your senior runner. Yeah. And in injury history or just even running history plays into that. So, um, and, and to kind of go off of that too, when I first started coaching, um, I would spend hours writing this perfect plan that I thought was going to be just perfect for my athletes going like from day one to the end of season um and I was completely taking out the individual (laughs) and just looking at them as like a 800 meter runner for example right and so I had to quickly learn that people have stress and people feel sick and uh, people have other things going on and so I had to I had to quickly pick up that um, I had to be a little bit more flexible with my plan from day to day. And that doesn't mean we weren't still getting in 
the appropriate load and effort for that week. In fact, probably we're getting it better in that way. Um, but it's, it's really important for you and your coach to have some open conversations about that, like you were saying, Scott. Yeah, and I think as we do more of these episodes, we'll dive mm-hmm. more into some specifics on how to manage that yeah. workload balance. But I think probably the final question for this episode that I have for you is, and maybe we already touched on this, but yeah. what advice do you have for that coach or athlete who is either coaching the athlete that runs the 800 all the way up to 3,200 or the athlete themselves that they run the gamut? Mm -hmm. Is there anything that you have found to be helpful that they should be considering? Yeah. So, so like I said, that, that open communication is going to be huge. Um, but on, on both sides of it, um, realize that there's a big difference between, um, perfect world and, what's realistic and some like scott said earlier like some is going to be better than none that comes with strength training that comes with um building some mileage maybe you haven't really been focusing on building mileage this off season you're like well now what do i do well i'm not telling you to go run 20 miles tomorrow to make up for it (laughs) um please don't do that um unless you want to come spend time with me here at zone um (laughs) But, you know, just know that, like, it's, it's never going to be perfect and you can only tweak it as you can. And, you know, it's, it's a learning process. Yeah. So I have a, a thought and then a question. Mm-hmm. So that part where you're talking about if you miss a, a key workout, yeah. regardless, like whatever the reason may be, um, what I find where people get in trouble is they just shuffle that workout to later in the week. And now you have a back-to-back key workout and you know the coach had it planned the way that it was to build in the recovery so Mm -hmm. I just you don't want to see it happen often but sometimes it's okay just to go you know what you missed it it's okay let's just get back on the calendar let's not lose sleep over the fact that we missed one workout you're going to be better to jump in your next key workout than to just stack them yep and especially as we get later in the season um we used to always say this thing like the work is in the bag. So you get to a point in the season where you're doing workouts, one you want to maintain, but if, if you miss one, it's not a huge thing. Um, part of the reason you're doing workouts is to build confidence and not fitness. Um, you've been doing the work for a while at that point. Um, missing, missing a workout isn't going to, you're not going to drop off in fitness. Sure. Yeah. It's more important that you recover. Yeah, and then, so then my last question then for that runner that does do the 800 up to the 3200 meter, Mm -hmm. what advice do you have or suggestions on performance? Do you suggest that runners are going to try to PR all four events Mm. (laughs) in one meet, (laughs) or should we focus on the 800 one meet, the 1600 another meet, the four by on another meet, and the 32 on another meet, or what do you, what do you think on that? (laughs) Um, there are some people that can go out there and they can PR in all four events. Those people are usually Olympians. Um, they've, they have a lot of training underneath their belt. Um, or they could be on the other end of the spectrum, and there's new to the sport. Oh yeah, and every, yeah. Every if you're new, a PR, everything's right? a PR. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You could throw me in a hundred meter right now and run a PR. Um, 
yeah, I I don't typically so okay. This this opens up this could go into like a whole nother podcast if we really wanted to. Um as personally as a coach, as my athletes get closer and closer to the end of competition season, I typically will have them doing less and less races as we get there. Um and that vice versa as we're further out from champions season we're we're probably going to be doing quite a variety of races and part of that is to build some resiliency and part of it's just to try different things get some race experience um so that being said <laughs> i i don't know that it's realistic to expect yourself to pr in every race so go in um to each track meet um have an open conversation with your coach say hey what is my emphasis here talk about a game plan um know what his expectation his or her expectations are for every race that you do um and that does not mean that if the 1600 meter run is not your emphasis that you should not try hard that is not what i am saying but I want you to have some good conversations about what your expectations are for each one. And maybe it's not even a time goal in some of those races. Maybe in some of those races you are saying, I'm not going to let anybody pass me from this point on. Or on this lap, this is normally like a tricky lap for me. So this lap, I'm going to pass X amount of people. And so you just may, you may even play around with some mindset on those races as well. So yeah. Make sure you have a goal before each of those. Yeah, I think positive self-talk goes a really mm -hmm. long way. And then even on some of those goals, like you can't choose who signs up in a race with yes. you, right? Like yeah. when I when I sign up for a triathlon, and I have had the best training block ever, and mm -hmm. I'm going to do a PR. If 50 other people that are in my age group yeah. did the same thing and they performed better than me, than me that day, and I still have a PR, it doesn't mean I had a bad day. Yeah, yeah. So I think those passing people or not getting passed or good goals but also too just like well how did i feel mm -hmm. when i did the 200 turn yeah and did i keep my form and then when you're reflecting on how the the meet or the event went start with the positive stuff and be like yep. hey that was great i that was the best start or the best mm -hmm. 150 that i've ever done i felt strong going into the finish or whatever the case may be and then Give it a little time before you, you go into the, what could I get better at? Yeah. Most of us that run, we start at the other end and we go, oh man, what could I have done better? Yeah. But don't forget to celebrate the wins is where mm -hmm. I'm going with that. Um, but th I think that's sound advice uh, and I'm excited to go out and support some of the local track meets yeah. this spring and would just encourage any of you athletes or coaches if you have questions please reach out to us so that we can be a resource for you guys we love to keep runners running and we love to see people perform at their best and mm -hmm. help get them there so christina thanks again awesome to have you on and thank you all for listening